What up, it's Mitch. And this is Zach. Welcome to Hot Takes Cold Brews, where each week we'll be talking about hot takes in health, fitness, and lifestyle. And to make sure these are epic episodes, we're cracking a brand new cold brew, catching a savage buzz each time. And one. Here we are. Hot Takes Cold Brews. We've got Thunder King Brewing Black Gold. And these are slick. These are slick labels. Although they didn't have nutrition facts, which was a little scary. <laughs> I mean, it, says what, it says what's in them. Now it's just coffee and water. So how bad could it be? We're happy that they sent us uh, this package. They hooked us up with a bunch of cold brew and some coffee beans as well. Um, they're based out of California. Um, Costa Mesa, California. Um, so we'll not let you... sure how much caffeine. But... Yeah, it's this is the concentrated eight ounce version. Anything um, that's that small, I'm like, you know, it's powerful. It's gonna hit you hard. Yeah, yeah. It smells good. It looks good. It's good. You know, it's that special cold brew because it's you got to keep it refrigerated all times. So, cheers. That's good. I like it. Yeah. It's strong. You can tell. It's it's strong. Yeah. This tastes tell. like it has like 250 or 300. When it's, you know, Somewhere it's that concentrated. So like typically, although I read on the website, they're like, you can water it down. We don't. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thunder King. All right. <laughs> this is definitely going to get us wired. I know that. So I needed it though. This is good though. Yeah. We all, I think we all needed it. Oh shit. That's a. That is strong, and they say you can put this into the uh, into your protein shake, so that would make a pretty savage like pre workout. This is what I like these kind of cold brews where it's literally just the water, just the coffee, and it's organic coffee. Don't have to worry about like the milk products or the sugar, the added sugar, or whatever. Because like I'm yeah. lactose intolerant, so I can't have the milk anyway. So sometimes it's nice to just have one of these that's super simple. You know what you're getting, um, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. Like you said, there, it's almost like there's two different categories. Like one category is cold brew. One is like you're like almost like like the first one we had. It was a it was like honestly in a different. It's like a specialty drink. Yeah, it's almost exactly. like a specialty cold brew. It's almost yeah. you know it's like a, it's like a latte or it's in the same category as one of those like a cappuccino or a yeah. macchiato versus yeah. like these are kind of more in the category of like a black coffee. They're they're meant to get the job done. It's not meant to be tasty and sweet. I mean, it tastes good and it's smooth. Like this one doesn't have any bitterness at all. And that's the thing that I like about cold brew the most is because like, let's say you were doing intermittent fasting or something like that. You could drink one of these and not break your fast because it has no calories technically, or like it's the calories are minimal, even if it is coffee, like five. Well, so that five. is going to break you're fast, but there's arguments on that though. There's anything you have to metabolize. Like they say it's, that's ins- going, they say to, it's insignificant amount it. though. So there's, there's some people in the nutrition community that think that five, un- they say five calories, but really it's under cal under that because the only thing you're breaking down is the calf, whatever, whatever the protein is that, that is with caffeine. And they say, because it's so trace that it doesn't elevate, like it doesn't change your, your metabolism to the point where actually you come out of a fast or whatever. That's how some people have researched it. I'm not an expert on it, but I know that some people say you can't drink anything but water, but some people drink, say you can drink black coffee. Well, I mean, you're like the same reason why you can go and get a fasted blood glucose after having drinking black coffee. I mean, there's, there's like, you, you have to really evaluate what it is you're going after. Like if, you're going after intermittent fasting because you think the fasting benefits are going to help your overall health, then I wouldn't drink it. But yeah. if you're going after to just cut calories, then who cares if you have five yeah. calories or zero? Like It's not really going to do anything. Yeah. And the, I guess I go back and forth. This wasn't supposed to be the hot take, but this is a good hot take today that we're going to jump into because of the fact that it came up. I I don't do intermittent fasting, but I've been interested in trying it because I've been hearing a lot of good things about like at least like cutting the 
cutting the calorie window and things like that. And I started to think logically about what I'm doing during my day. A lot of times I wake up in the morning, I eat because someone told me that it's the best thing to do is to eat a healthy breakfast. And then I think about it and I'm like, I'm eating and I'm not even hungry though. And so then sometimes now when I'm waiting to have like my Savage Oats until 1030 in the morning, like between patients at work, then like I almost feel better after that. Because sometimes when I eat, right when I get up at like in the morning or at six o'clock before I go to work, I almost get like a stomach ache just from eating too early. And I don't know what it is. But if I eat that same meal three hours later, I don't get that stomach ache. Yeah. Or whatever, or like feel kind of weird, or like bloated, or you know, like well, something like that. You know, the the benefit that I've always seen is you gotta like giving it's giving your digestive system a break. Yeah, you know, so like yeah, you have that break during sleeping hours, but if you know if you're eating up until nine p.m. and then you wake up and eat around six, like that's not that long of a window. They always say like for digestive purposes and to help that. Like a good rule of thumb is a 12 hour window. So eat dinner at six and don't eat breakfast until 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty doable. Yeah. For um, me, it's more got to be like eight to eight. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Like 12. Yeah, I 12 went for. Hours. So the reason why this is an interesting topic is because. So I traveled recently uh, to Canada and I had a good weekend. It was like kind of celebratory. So obviously eating all food out, which is like, you know, a lot of more like greasy foods than I'm used to and drinking more beers and things like that than I'm, than my body's used to. And so when I finally got home, I felt like terrible. I was so bloated and I felt sick. Like I almost felt like I was coming down with a cold or a, yeah. some type of flu. Like it was weird. But then I decided because I heard all these podcasts, I was like, you know, I'm just going to try not to eat that day. So that day I got home, um, I didn't, I didn't eat from like three until like maybe 10 the next day. So I went like, I don't know what it was. I, th- I think I calculated it out. It was like a 17 hour fasting window, almost mm-hmm. 18. And I instantly felt better. All the bloating was gone. I felt like I had like, like come back and I've gone on weekend trips where I'm like, I'm eating off my normal diets, you know, where like I'm eating usually more healthy stuff at home. And it takes me like a week or a week and a half to rebound now. But that actually helped me come back. I feel like way faster where I was actually able to work. And I worked out that night too and didn't eat. Mm-hmm. And then the next days I was able to work out three days in a row without feeling terrible. And I think, I don't know, but I think it was because of that fast. Yeah. Well, like like I said, you know, you're giving your digestive system uh, some time to, to recover. And also you're giving your body. Now it's not focused on that. It's focusing on kind of detoxifying and, and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, but no, nah, I think it is, it is crazy when you go a while without having certain things. And then when you start to have them, like it's a, it's like a worse effect, you know, like, like when we went out for my birthday, God, I was like, I can't remember the last time I was that hung over, but I hadn't like really been drinking like that, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because that's exactly how I felt after this trip is like, I'm used to eating like mainly lean meats. I don't add a whole lot of oil. Um, right, right. I don't like I, and when I do add oils, I add, add healthy oils. And then I usually have like fairly lower carbs. And, and then I eat a lot of like whole vegetables where we just like basically saute them or bake them in the oven. So like it's fairly healthy meals and my body apparently has just adjusted to that. Mm-hmm. So now if I even eat like two or three meals in a row where it's not something that I made where I get it from and you know, there's good restaurants out there, but you know, like mm-hmm. most of the the restaurants out there, they wanna get they wanna pack the flavor in, so they're gonna pack the oils in and all that stuff. Of course. And that actually just makes me feel terrible now, which is yeah. such a, a weird thing that you would never think about. Cause it's not like I'm eating like Taco Bell. I'm like right. eating dude, at decent places. I couldn't, dude. I don't think I would make make it if I ate Taco Bell these days, man. Like, <laughs> no, but I wouldn't be able to do anything we, that I want to do. Definitely dude, not. We used My to workouts eat that would be stuff terrible all the time. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just age. Or if, right. or if my body has just adapted away from that. And I think it's more of that of like now my body is used to running fairly clean and, or, and now I feel good. Or I think it's, you're used to feeling good. Yeah. Whereas before you get used to not feeling that great. And then that just becomes the new normal. 
Yeah. That's an interesting thought too, because I mean, I was a division one athlete eating like that and I ate a lot of meals at home when I was a D one athlete, but I was still eating out a lot of fast food and a lot Mm -hmm. of terrible, like I didn't really care what I was eating because I didn't need to care. And now you think about that with the athletes around these days, like what a, what an advantage if you eat healthy and you actually do the training like consistent training. I mean, that's the difference between getting a D one scholarship and, and not playing anywhere or, yeah. you know, so that's what we try to tell all these it's, kids, man. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. So speaking of the training, the hot take today was not on intermittent fasting, but that's a good topic. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, um, gym myths. Cause there's so many gym myths. I feel like that's the place where like these myths go around. Cause you know, there's so many people in the gym that are getting good results. And then I don't think they really link the proper things to their results and like, Oh, this is what I did. And this is what it gave me results really may, may have not given them the results. Um, so for example, like we were talking about before we came on air was like the most common myth, which is spot reducing fat, which we've talked about before, but that's the idea of like, I have some extra fat on the back of my triceps or on the back of my arms. So I'm going to do a whole bunch of push ups and tricep things to try and get rid of the fat on the back of my arm or like I have some cellulite on the on my on my quads on the front Tony of my legs, and I'm gonna do a bunch of exercise to burn the fat on the front of the legs. And I think that like that's definitely a myth that just needs to not be perpetuated, especially like we were talking about with abs. Yeah. Well, you know the funny thing with your abs is people think that yeah they're gonna work out their abs and that's what's gonna melt the fat away. But in reality, if you start working your abs out more and you have fat there and now you build muscle, you're going to look more fat. You know, like, That's the crazy part. Uh, but it might push it out a little bit. Is that what you're saying? Like yeah. you might, might bulk out a little bit through this. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like you're not doing yourself any favors. Uh, and and yeah, there, there is no way to just spot reduce. You just have to reduce. Yeah. And, you know, people are going to be different. People carry their, their fat in, in different ways. Yeah, that's what I told people. We told people too before is like, you got to think of fat like a bank that you're drawing from. You can't draw from specific parts of your bank. You're like, oh, let me draw from that that other part of my bank. It's like, it's just one account. And that's how your fat does. Your body will metabolize or will mobilize the fat that's the easiest to metabolize. And so like, for example, when I lose weight, my last area that I lose weight on is my stomach. And I do a ton of abs and I can be fit everywhere else, but my stomach will hold weight. The first place I lose weight is my cheeks. And I'm not working out my cheeks. Right. Like my face cheeks, not my ass cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> so, you are working those out. Oh, yeah. Every day. <laughs> but so that's my point is like you're going to lose fat where where you start how in the pattern you store it and we know that males and females store fat in different patterns so like males tend to store store way more fat in the midsection and women tend to uh store fat in the lower body yeah so when you start to lose fat and it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to lose it from those areas first those could be the areas that hold on the most and everybody knows that they have their problem areas their quote-unquote problem areas but you know in order to get to those problem areas you've likely got to reduce your fat percentage, your body fat percentage down to a certain amount where you start to draw from those areas. Like men, if you have a love handle or a belly, you might have to get fairly low in body fat. You don't do obliques all day. Yeah, like doing doing a bunch of side crunches is not going to get rid of those love handles. It's going to make it worse. Yeah. It's going to make, push it out, you know? (laughs) Uh, And that's what a lot of people, I know, like anytime someone asks me, what's a good core workout? I'm like, okay, you're clearly you know, insecure about your, your belly fat. You want to get rid of it. And I'm yeah. like, I'm not going to give it to you. Cause this isn't what you really want. Yeah. You know, you want, unless they say like, Hey, I've got back pain. I really want a core workout for stability. Or like, I've been looking to increase my, my ability to lift heavier weights. What is your best core program? Because that is what the core program is going to do. Well, you know what I told them? I said, uh, I listed out all the compound movements. It's yeah. like, do those start progressing with those. You, you know, you're bracing your core during that, your, your core is going to get stronger. 
But yeah, like I said, I don't think that's what he was looking for. Uh, yeah, but at the same time, like if you start working on your core now and you plan to get a really good diet and or if you like just start now, you know, start doing your diet now and lose that weight. But if you start building your abs up and you do, you know, progressive like resistant ab exercises, then you are going to build abs underneath that layer of fat. And by the time you lose it, they're going to be ready under there. So you're going to have good definition, but you could have good definition under there right now. You just don't know it because there's a layer of fat over the muscle and that's just where your body has chosen to store that fat and you've got to get your body fat low enough that it chooses to mobilize that fat and get rid of it. Yeah. And you know, and I think another gym myth is, and you just kind of pointed it out is like the crunches are the, the key to you getting that, that ab definition when really you want to look for those things that you can progressively get stronger. in. so I'm always big. I'm always big into like weighted, some type of weighted movement, you know, whether you're using a med ball or, or, you know, maybe a pulley machine or something like that. Uh, because just sitting there doing crunches all day. And I like eccentric stuff too. So like hanging leg raises or Roman chair leg raises where you're coming up and then trying to really slow and control the way down because then you're at least, even if you're not doing progressive overload, you're still maximizing eccentric benefits of, of muscle, you know, hypertrophy. So that's a good way to do it too. Um, you know, you could do leg lifts where you, you lift, you do leg lifts and then the very few last sets, you start bending your knees on the way up and then you go straight legs down. So you really maximize that, that eccentric phase. That's how you build the abs. Mm -hmm. that or that's how you build any muscle is to use those principles progressive overload eccentric loading or like uh metabolic overload so those are what you have to mask master um and so that's important and then one of those other gym myths that kind of goes along with this is that remember the old thing when they were talking about like they were talking about how your muscles turn to fat you ever heard that like that like if you didn't if you got a bunch of muscles like they used to say it about bodybuilders like you get a bunch of muscle and you stop working out, all your muscles turn to fat. That's a huge myth. That's not going to happen. And if anything, if you get a lot of muscle and you build it up over time, what's actually going to happen is you're going to be more likely to be able to come back to that. Like a guy like Arnold Schwarzenegger, who used to have a lot of muscle mass, he can easily build up muscle mass again because his body has that that memory of that because he has that that capacity to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, no, yeah, it doesn't convert to that. You know, it's either yeah. like you, your body breaks down and you're not giving yourself enough calories and then, you know, it could potentially go and, and break down your muscle mass. Um, yeah. It doesn't turn into fat though. No, no. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think another myth is just that cardio is, you know, your ticket to that weight loss. Yeah. I think. And you know, I think people are getting better, but everyone. I don't. I, I don't think people are. Get, I don't think people are getting better. You know, they no, probably not. I think people think that they need to hit a treadmill in a sweatsuit, or like they think that getting their body really hot with a sweatshirt on is going to make them lose fat. When really, yeah. the reason why anyone ever works out that knows what they're doing works out with a trash bag or a sweater <laughs> on is because they're trying to lose water weight for something that they actually need to weigh in for. Right. So if you're doing a bodybuilding competition or a figure competition, you have to hit a certain weight, then yeah, you should work out maybe with a sweatshirt on. So you lose that, that water weight, but it's not going to make you burn more fat. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, yeah, I hear it all the time. Like, yeah, I just got to start running. Yeah. It's like for what, yeah. you know, like do the math, like, We've, we've talked about it before you run in four miles burning 150 calories like yeah. or whatever it is like something low like that is like then you go and eat you know five slices of pizza because you celebrating the fact that you did something today like yeah. you just got to get and we've figured out now that doing um doing resistive training is probably one of the actually the better ways to lose weight especially if you turn up the the intensity but that's the key like you can't just go in there and lift yeah. 20 pounds on on dumbbell bench for 10 reps when you could have done 60 pounds for 10 reps yeah. like just having gone through the motions does not get you the results you have to push the body and you've got it like especially if you're going to lift if you're going to weight lift for fat loss you should be doing high high volume with low rest like keep the heart rate up, keep moving. But we know that like high intensity interval training 
is probably the best is probably one of the best ways to lose weight. Yeah. So if you can turn it up that way, um, instead of trying to just get on a treadmill and go steady state on a treadmill, unless you're on a treadmill and you're doing like, if you're going to get, if you like cardio to lose weight, then you should start increasing the amount of, of, um, like intervals that intervals, you're doing. Yeah. Like you should be going run, walk, run, walk. Or if you're on the stair stepper, you should go really, really fast for a minute and then try and slow down and catch your breath and then go really, really fast. But also before you do that, you have to set out whatever your thing is. Like if you're doing a Tabata, you got to hit those times. You can't just say, well, I'm going to go really fast and then I'm going to wait till I recover and then I'm going to go fast again. Cause you're going to give yourself too much rest because that's how we end up not pushing ourselves. You know, uh, an interesting point that someone brought up the other day that I was thinking about is like, it's crazy to think, but you know, we've, we've always been athletes and uh, we've kind of just been conditioned to to push ourselves, right? We know what that feeling is. For sure. It's crazy that, and I've, I see it all the time, that someone who never did that, that'd be hard for them in the gym. Like, you know, when they get to that point of like exhaustion or that point of like really giving it their all, like they don't know what that feels like or even how to access that. Well, because it's so uncomfortable. Like when you start yeah. really, really going for it in the gym, it's very like when you get a good workout, it's very, very uncomfortable during. And then not to mention the fact that after you get done with the workout, you're going to have that muscle soreness. And for a lot of people that haven't done athletics and, and other sports, like when they're young and they're just getting into working out later in life, it's hard to distinguish for people. And I never really realized this until I got deeper into my career in physical therapy that it's hard for people to distinguish between muscle soreness and, and injury and pain. Yeah. And I think people don't understand, like I get a lot of questions in my clinic that like, oh, I did this exercise and I was sore. And I'm like, okay, well, how long were you sore? And they're like, okay, well, I was sore the rest of the day and a little bit in the morning. I'm like, well, that's a good soreness. Yeah. Like that's enough. But, but like the thing that, if you are really pushing yourself and you are doing something you've never done, you might be sore for four, five, even a week. Like yeah. I've gotten, I've worked out some of these workouts we've been doing lately where I'm like, my legs are sore for five days. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, like, like you and I were used to it. Like I'll be in the gym and I'm lifting something heavy. I'm pushing with everything I have. Yeah. But I don't think a lot of people have ever experienced what that feels like to to literally like give everything they have. Yeah. And most people would think like you shouldn't, you know, if you've never done it before, you would think like that's crazy to yeah. ever like actually have to work that hard. You know, yeah. they just want to like push. And it's like, well, that's you have I would, to push yourself each time because that's what creates growth that's what i always tell people man you'd be so surprised what kind of weight you can actually move in the gym if you actually just went and try i i challenge anyone to, to get on like a bicep curl or ooh, like whatever a bench press or a, a, a row is a huge one like get on one of those cable row machines and put a weight on that you think you could do for 10 and then do it and then jump up 10 pounds like wait two minutes and then jump up like 20 pounds and try to do that 10 times and try to jump up another time. And I bet you, cause even someone that's experienced like me, a lot of times I'll set the weight too low and I'll get done with my first set. And I'm like, I could have probably done more. And then I do more. And I'm like, I do another 10. I'm like, Whoa, like I actually could probably even do more than that. You, cause even though I felt tired at the first set, I was able to add 40 or 50 pounds and still complete the reps with good form. Yeah. So then I'm thinking like, well, dang, like how many people out there are doing that? If I'm, if I'm a seasoned weightlifter and I've been weightlifting for a very long time and it's still hard for me to select weights on certain exercises um, that I haven't done or that are in combination with other exercises where I'm like, oh, I don't want to go too much. So I think the big thing in the gym is don't be afraid to fail on a set and not be able to get your mark because you've done a lot more for yourself if you were trying to shoot for 10 and you hit eight because you failed because the weight was too heavy versus you did way too light a weight and you could have done 20 reps, but you went to 10. And so that literally did nothing for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, I'll see people like, oh, this is hard. I'm like, good. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, that's exactly what it's supposed to be. That's what it's supposed to feel like. And, uh, and so I don't even know how we got onto that, but. Well, that like the people, the people that you see on Instagram that you're idolizing, if, if you're one of those people that's idolizing a body on Instagram, it wasn't easy work. They went through a lot of suffering to yeah. get to that body. I guarantee it. Like, Years. Yeah. And 
dieting and res- and not eating things that they wanted to eat and not going out with friends because of certain situations and then putting in exorbitant hours in the gym. There's a lot of things you don't see. And I think we just assume like, oh, if I just start working out, I'll look like that. But it like working out is a relative term. Like how hard do you work out? And that doesn't mean how long do you go to the gym for? It means like how efficient are you and how much are you actually pushing it? Right. So I think that's that's the big thing for me. Yeah. I think uh uh as far as gym myths go, you know, I think one that I've heard recently that was somewhat uh proven was that a lot of people thought that you couldn't build muscle in every every uh, rep range. Right? Some people thought like, "Oh, you have to lift heavy you're talking about for like hypertrophy yeah yeah they're like oh you have to lift heavy to to actually build muscle but they've done like recent studies where like you can build muscle in every phase mm-hmm. it's really just about you know the volume yep and they showed like you know the the 10 to 12 range you can build muscle because a lot of people used to think like yeah you know 10 to 12 is good you do that then you go to your your strength your phase and and then your power phase and and you you lower the reps look super heavy and you know i'm 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 a proponent of adding that in because i think the uh i think the benefits of lifting something that you can only lift a couple times are, Mm -hmm. are are big uh mentally and you know just for like boosting uh human growth hormone and and stuff like that for sure. And and the other thing about that on that topic is that another gym myth I think that's huge and it's perpetuated a lot is that there's a lot of women out there that think that lifting heavy weights is going to make them big. Yeah. But f- first off, that's that's definitely not true. A lot of that has to do with hormone profiles. So, and that's and then what you're eating. You to put on muscle mass, you have to be eating massive amounts of calorie and lifting massive amounts of weight. Now, there are ranges that do hypertrophy muscles better than others, and there's different types of exercise and like speeds of reps and things like that that will hypertrophy muscles better than others. But say you're doing reps of like two to five and it's very heavy weight, that's actually just power generation. That's not gonna increase the size of your muscles necessarily but it will increase the strength of the muscle fibers that you do have and so just because you're doing like you don't have to go to the gym and do sets of 20 to 25 because you think you're gonna get big um if you're if you're a one of the ladies out there that thinks that that that's gonna happen to you it's really gonna base be based on hormone profile and it's not gonna happen overnight too well that's another one too is people always used to think i gotta do you know, sets of 15 to 20 to tone up. Yep. That's a huge myth. Like it doesn't, like it's not going to do it. I know. And in lightweight, they were like, you yeah, got to yeah, do yeah. really lightweight, a lot High of reps. reps. And, and that's going to tone. <laughs> it's not the case. And, it, but it's crazy because that's still perpetuated, but that's such old science and old knowledge. I don't even know if it was ever science. Right. I think it was just perpetuated by It just sounded like a good idea. <laughs> yeah. It was like, oh yeah, if you don't lift heavy weights, but you just do it a lot, it's almost like running where running tones you. Yeah. And it's like anything where you can lose calories and and yeah, if you do a whole bunch of muscle hypertrophy type sets and you are lifting in those rep ranges that are more geared towards hypertrophy and you're doing the speeds of reps that are more geared towards hypertrophy, you're probably going to gain some muscle size. Um, but for the most part, most of that is based on on a variety of other factors besides the fact that you're lifting heavy weights. You know, I'm also big on, I know I brought this study up that that was a myth, but I'm also big on looking at things and also thinking about and taking into account what's optimal, mm-hmm. right? Like, like I hate the argument of like people say you can you can get big and and build muscle without weights, yep, body weight. I'm like, man, okay, maybe you can, but the average person, it's going like it's it's really hard to do. You know, like, yeah, like, like those those, those calisthenic guys do really really high rep. And high volume, concentrated, exactly. You know, like, and and really, what it is is they're almost doing like eccentrics. It's time under tension, yeah. but it's like, do you think the average person is going to take their same workout and get the same effect on it? No. And no. so, so it's no. like, it's like stuff like that. 
Yep. I'm always, you know, skeptical. It's like, yeah, just because something is possible doesn't mean you're going to do it. Exactly. Exactly. And I, yeah, and, and everybody's body's different. Like, I'm not going to gain muscle mass like, um, like maybe you do or like a bodybuilder does. Like, maybe my body type doesn't, doesn't allow for that. So, what I've got to do is figure out what works for me. Like, if my goal is to build muscle mass, I might have to do like crazy amounts of volume. And my diet might have to change radically to yeah. get that t- to put on. Um, but maybe not like there's, you know, there's always those people who can gain weight really easily. And there's those people like I have a few friends that are like literally trying to gain weight. Yeah. Like they're trying to eat as much as they possibly can so they can put on muscle and they just physically cannot put on the muscle because their metabolism or whatever their hormone profile just doesn't allow them to do it which is also what you have to think about. Just because you see someone that got big from doing a workout doesn't mean you will in a good way or a bad way. Yeah, I mean, it all comes down to your situation. And that's that's like, uh, that's one of the big issues that I see is people, people see this guy putting out this workout program. This is what I did to get ripped. And they're like, all right, well, I'm going to get it. You know, like The mm-hmm. Rock. Like, all right, I'm going to do his shit. Yep. I'm going to look like The Rock. It's like, no, like, that guy's been lifting for 20 years. Exactly. And who knows what he's been taking, you exactly. know? Like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think there was another one that you, how about, how about, how about uh cardio on a fast on it? On, like how is, th- is this cardio. a myth? I don't know. Fasted cardio. Yeah. Fasted cardio. Does it burn more fat? No. So there's, there, they did studies that I, uh, that I saw that when you total up your day, Right. Like Mm -hmm. you, it, it, it all equaled out. So yes, after your workout, it looked like you got some benefits, but for the rest of the day, you didn't see those benefits. Whereas if you ate, you know, you didn't see those immediate benefits, but at the end of the day, it all equaled out. Interesting. Which I was like, yeah, that makes sense. But cause yeah, you know, you do something fasted, you're going to feel lean immediately. Yep. But People are chasing the moments, you know, like people are chasing the moments. That's what same thing with like the, like you said, wearing sweatshirts and stuff. Yeah. You're going to feel a little lean cause you lost some water weight. Yeah. But let's, let's look at the, the big picture here. Uh, it's hard for people to do though, because you know, you look at the mirror and you want to, you want to see those instant, instant results. You want that gratification of like, mm-hmm. Oh, I worked out and I look good now. And that's like where, like it gets tricky because you get that little bit of you get that little bit of pump going. You've lost some water weight, so you look like you know. And then you wake up the next morning, you're like oh, all that's gone. But you just have to realize you just got to put in that time over cons- and consistency in the gym, and then you'll get there. Yeah. It's not about any like all these all these myths are just perpetuating things that are like easier than like diet and exercise. You know, another myth out there is uh, that. That you've got to be like on the ground exhausted after every workout. Yep. I know. I know. Uh, that's what everyone's chasing is like, I've got to be like, if if I don't leave without like being dead on the floor, like it wasn't a good workout. Yeah. That's definitely not a good way to look at it. Um, Cause you like you should be able to walk out of the gym and not give yourself heat exhaustion. And and like, I think people think they get like mentally, they think they get a better workout in hot yoga because right. they're sweating yeah. really hard. Well, and, that's too, and like, yeah. that's another myth is like, just cause you didn't sweat really hard during the workout. doesn't mean you didn't get a good workout. Mm-hmm. It just means you didn't get your body temperature up that hot. Cause right. you'll sweat way more if you're wearing sweats and, in a sweatshirt, but that doesn't mean you worked your muscles harder. It just means you stressed your body more with heat. Now you might produce some heat shock proteins, which might be beneficial or might not. I'm, I'm like still undecided on the research of that, but, um, cause I haven't, I haven't read into that enough, but that's a different topic. You don't get a better workout just by being in hot. Yeah. And that's why it really, you, you have to look at what you're doing, you know, like, and if you do that right, and then you have to look at what your effort level was. Mm-hmm. And just because, like you said, just because you didn't sweat or you can walk out of the gym doesn't mean your effort level wasn't high. That just means you balance everything out right. You know, <laughs> like um, another myth I saw was that you can't work out every day and that you have to like have, uh, you know, 
I got, I got to work, have rest the muscles X amount of days. And like, I go back and forth on this with people because yes, you should rest, but like you got to understand and think about what rest is for a lot of people. Rest is literally like moving as little as humanly possible. It's like, that's not going to help you. No, we're talking active rest. So what is active rest to you? So, I mean, for me, I'm saying you got to like do some type of concentrated movements, like intentional movement. Maybe that is a yoga class. Maybe that is a 20 minute walk, but you have to get the body moving. Um, well, I mean, that's going to be optimal. Yeah. Even like light weightlifting could serve as an active, like body weight exercise could serve as an active rest day for you. Mm-hmm. Like for example, when, when I was running division one track, our active rest days were like light running, yeah. even though that was exactly what our other workouts were. It was just much slower, like 60% of our max. Like Cause it's blood flow. Exactly. Just trying to get the recovery into it. And actually they've shown, that's the interesting thing. You know, they talk about after you run or do really hard workouts, you're not supposed to sit down because the blood pools or whatever. Some of the studies, you know, several, several years ago, decades ago, were even showing that like doing light body weight squats after a workout actually helped with blood flow return to the, to the body and circulation of that fluid through your legs rather than walking rather than sitting. So that's like a thing where you're like, well, why would I do body weight squats after I did normal squats and deadlifts or whatever? But that actually, that muscle pump action actually helps to bring that blood and the other like lymph fluid back up to the body so you can reabsorb it and you can kind of get that, the hydrogen ions out of your, and the lac, the lactate ions out of your, uh, out of your legs. Yeah, I'd agree. And you know, another aspect of that is like a lot of people used to think, or they'd go, they'd go on the, the bodybuilder, uh, style of training where they're going to hit one muscle group a week. And you know, like they think they got to rest that for the full week. And it's like, man, number one, most people are not doing the same number one intensity or volume or you know other supplements as that that was the big one that i ran into was like i was doing a bodybuilder split and i wasn't even close to the volume of what they were doing and so like what ended up happening was i actually was getting no gains exactly because i wasn't working muscle groups enough so when i went to the the upper lower split where i was working upper body and lower body twice a week like i've gotten way better gains in that in that way both in strength and in muscle like size and and everything like that because i was working more volume on the muscles because i think what we fail to realize is even like an hour and a half isn't like some bodybuilders are training like these muscle groups like for three hours right well and like they're they're insanely long and high volume high weight high intensity like they're just intense workouts yeah and and everyone's gonna be different but it's just funny how people think like they've got to rest like someone like that when it's like bro you aren't lifting even anywhere near the same weight as this person you know like your body is going to be all right and even if you're sore you can lift like just because you're sore doesn't mean you can't lift those areas just get a good warm-up and i bet you by the end of by the end of the warm-up that soreness will go away because like that was what basically i ran on in in college was like your legs were going to be sore because you're lifting four times a week and you're running five times a week yeah. or six times a week. So there's not a day you're not going to be pretty sore, but you just got to get through that first like five or 10 minutes where it feels like you're walking on like broken sticks mm-hmm. and you kind of shake it out a little bit and then you're back to normal. Yeah. And then how about this myth? Cause this is from like the PT side of it. I hear this all the time. People talk about how running is bad for your knees. Yeah. That's a, yeah, have you heard that myth? I mean, that's like people are like, oh, I can't run. My, I got bad knees or yeah. like it'll hurt my knees. Now, I've got bad knees and maybe it'll hurt my knees because of the certain injuries I have. But we know now that like if you want to run, it's not going to it's not going to destroy your cartilage of your knees. Actually, sometimes when we measure these long distance runners who have been running for long periods of time, they actually have far higher bone density and far higher cartilage density because their body has adapted to that impact. Whereas like we used to think that, you know, 
if you lifted weights, it wore your joints out and it right. wore like you would get arthritis if you lifted. That's a huge myth out there too. Like, yeah. oh, you're going to get arthritis faster you're using your body. Now, maybe the micro injuries might lead up to, to arthritis if you're not lifting smart. But if you maintain your mobility, you're actually less likely to get things like osteoporosis and arthritis. It's going to help you, you. Exactly. Yeah. And, and we used to think that like, oh, yeah, if you're sedentary, you know, like you don't use your body, you're, you won't get arthritis. But we know now that like... If you just sit on the couch your whole life, your instance of arthritis is fairly high. Mm-hmm. And that's probably from other factors like high blood sugar levels and things like that. Right. But don't just fall into the category of like, oh, I shouldn't lift too much because I'm going to get like sore joints. I'm going to hurt my knees because I'm running or like my body's going to wear out because it's actually going to make you more durable over time. Yeah. To injure and more resistant to injury. Yeah. And that, that reminds me of another thing is like most people think, uh, you know, I hear a lot of the times, oh, I can't, or you shouldn't deadlift cause it's going to hurt your back. It's like, yeah. you do it wrong. It's going to hurt your back. Like you do any of these lifts wrong. You're, you're risking injury, but if you do them right, you're doing the opposite. You There's know, a you're, lot you're of preventing physical, yeah. injury. There's a lot of physical therapists out there now that are treating people with back injuries to do deadlifts. They're right. treating them with with things deadlift. like deadlifts and squats. I think that's another myth that perpetuates on, like it kind of goes along with all this is like, once you've got a back injury, you can't squat anymore. Right. It's not necessarily true. You might, have to, you might have to take some time off. You might have to let, like if you, if you injured a disc, you might have to let that heal. You might have to, you know, do some physical therapy and, and get that, get that back to where it needs to be. And then you might have to ease slowly back into squats, but it doesn't mean you can't squat ever again. Or you, now you're going to do a goblet squat or a front, yeah. you know, like there's so yeah. many different variations that you can work with. But it, I see like people that talk about that, like, oh, I got this injury, so I can't do this. Or like, I got injured doing this and so I can't do it anymore. Well, you know, the shitty thing is I hear a lot of people say their doctors are telling them they shouldn't be lifting Well, that's where, that's where a lot of these myths are being perpetuated, I think. Yeah. I think people are getting a little bit wiser to the medical community. And I'm part of the medical community, so I can speak on this topic. But mm. there's a lot of doctors out there that are telling people information from like the 80s and 90s, which was like, I mean, I mean, they used to tell people that you shouldn't go work out because your heart has only a certain amount of beats in its lifetime. <laughs> and that if you do too many workouts, you'll use up your beats of your heart. <laughs> And you'll die faster. Like that's what doctors used to tell people. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like you got to realize that yes, doctors are smart. You should listen to your what your doctor says, but you should also kind of think for yourself and say like, like if if you just have knee pain and then your doctor just says, "Well, stop running," that's not the answer. Right. Like that's the easy answer for them to tell you is to say, "Oh, you come to me with knee pain, and then stop doing what gives you knee pain." It's mm-hmm. like, well, why don't we find a muscle group? to strengthen that allows me to to move a little bit more efficiently that doesn't injure my knee. Yep. And that's where people like me come in with physical therapy. It's like, that's my passion is helping people pre- like that are being told these myths where like, you know, I was told I shouldn't do this stretch for my, for my shoulder because it was injured and I can't do it forever. You know, and I'll never get my range of motion back. Right. And then I help them get it back. So it's like, you got to be careful who perpetuates these myths yeah because people of power like we talked about on our last episode that are people of power that are promoting these other products they're also the people that are perpetuating these myths so it seems like it holds a lot of weight yeah becomes dangerous to people or at least non-beneficial to them yeah you know another one that i don't know if it's necessarily a myth but the thing i see a lot of people doing is and someone post someone did a really good post on this they said they they showed like the journey of a, a fitness influencer. It was do a lot of structured programs, typically including the compound lifts and mostly the same stuff. Yep. Get buff and in shape, and then go on Instagram and do completely different stuff, acting like that's <laughs> all you do. It's like yeah, like because because you know you you see all these buff people doing like these crazy lifts and these different formations and it's like yeah i guess they look cool but people think like oh that's how that guy got it these special things and it's like no i don't want to call anybody out but like you see the guys that are doing like the really showy stuff in the gym that's kind of what you're talking about jumping over these like hurdles that are at like chest height and like doing all these crazy like slam a ball and then jump over a tire and then hit something with an axe and then you know it's like yeah it looks cool like you said 
but that's not what got you where you are. Right. It's like just consistency with diet and exercise. Right. And, and a lot of the same movements, yeah. you know, like that's the thing I think people, people don't realize is the way you build strength is, you know, you, you get better at these, these lifts, you know? So like most people who, got those bodies they were doing a lot of those same compound movements that you already know how to do yeah it's just like improving them and working on on the volume that you're that you're lifting and and getting the the weight up that you're lifting yeah and and one of the myths that bothers me about weightlifting in general is that like a lot of people think that weightlifting is dangerous or like they're gonna pull like they're more likely to pull a muscle but working in the physical therapy space i'll tell you right now I haven't seen very many people that have pulled the muscle weightlifting. Right. I've seen a lot of people that have strained their back lifting something at their house, yeah. pushing a piece of furniture, just bending over. It's like there's a lot of things that can get you injured that are not weightlifting, and I don't see a whole lot of like weightlifting injuries. I see people get I get the most common one is probably shoulder impingement from people doing too much chest press, flies, and overhead press. Mm. But I see shoulder impingement just as often in people that don't do any weightlifting. I was so, gonna say, what what do you would you say the majority of people who get injured at their house or somewhere out of the gym are non weightlifters too. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I think the, the people that I, at least in the population that I see, I don't see a lot of people who are, that are like current resistance trainers or like they then are get, in, in resistance training that get injured doing something menial around their house. Right, right. I Not to say it can't happen, but... No, and I would say this is anecdotal, but I don't know. We could look into the evidence of it, but I would say from my experience, doing some type of resistance training makes you more resist, resistant or resilient against injury, yeah. especially of things like menial tasks. Because when you work on things like technique and you work on like pulling mechanics and squatting mechanics and lifting mechanics... You're just going to be better at it when you do, go to do something like move a piece of furniture. So it doesn't take as much force. That, you know, you've done something similar with your body in the past. So it kind of is that muscle mem- memory where like someone that doesn't lift weights goes to lift like a really heavy box or like pick up their couch. Then they hurt their back because yeah. their back has not been loaded like that. And then all of a sudden they loaded it to the max. Yeah. Whereas like if you've been doing deadlifts or squats or whatever – you've loaded your body and your body has adapted to that. And most of the things you run into in your house at, at, or like in your daily activities, near that. yeah, aren't going to go break that threshold of weight unless you're like <laughs> really, really going crazy on, on yard work or like things like that. That's what I was going to say. Would you say you're also like you've built up strength in those, um, n- not great positions, right? Like, cause yeah. it's not saying like, Anyone who lifts weights, now they're going to go and get perfect deadlift form every time they lift the box. But because they did that, they've become stronger in those infrequent positions. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You've strengthened your body to some extent. And you just you just introduced your body to a load. And now your body has adapted to that load. So, for example, I got injured doing a bent over row. I like uh, it's it's a it's a disc injury. It's not a bad disc injury. And I had to let it heal for a long time. But the best my back has ever felt was now that I've been consistent with leg exercise, including squats, including deadlifts, including those bent over rows again. I just do them in a modified position or I change my technique a little bit to not put that same strain on my back. But that's like that actually got rid of my back pain. And, And I'm a physical therapist and I was doing PT exercises. But once I started incorporating actual heavy lifts, for legs in the gym that actually started to help my back. Now that might not be for everybody, but with my level of my injury, it was actually more beneficial because I started to slowly reintroduce that load back into my back where the, the muscles that the ligaments and the discs said, okay, like he's going to put this load through, through the back. Let's strengthen this area. And that's how your body responds. Just same with your bones. Yeah. If you don't do any weight bearing exercise and you don't do resistance training, you're more likely to get osteoporosis because you haven't signaled your bones to lay down more bone. Yep. You haven't told your body that you need it. Yep. And that's why muscles adapt in strength. 
That's the, that's the primary thing is like, you've challenged your muscle so much that it says, Oh man, we need to get stronger because he's asking us to do these things right. that we can't do. Yeah. And so your body is smart like that, but it's also dumb in the fact that if you don't do those things, you won't, why would it work gains. on it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Cause it wants to be as efficient as possible. Yeah. And that's why you atrophy muscles that you're not using. Cause it's going to take that, those proteins and go use them somewhere else or use them for energy. Yep. 100%. 100%. So. Um, any other myths that you could think of? Huh, I think we covered a lot of myths. Yeah. I think, it's gotta, time. I think we got to rate these. Yeah, I think it's time to rate the uh, Did cold you brew. Did kill yours yet? No? Uh, I wanted to leave a little bit left so I could so I could get Give one last. Give a proper rating? Yeah, so I could get one last sip. Proper 12 rating? Um, our, our other camera died, so we're going to get uh, a different <sighs> recording of this. So... Turn that the other way. There you go. I'm feeling good. I'll tell you that. Oh, this has a lot of caffeine in it for sure. Yeah, it's that's pretty clear. So again, we're doing we're drinking the um, Thunder King Brewing Company, Black Gold. They're located out of Costa Mesa, California. Um, this is just organic coffee and water. Um, so we're gonna do the rating that we do every week on on the uh, on the cold brew. So what'd you think, Mitch? Uh, you know, I'm feeling good. It wasn't like the best tasting that I've ever had. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, you know, it, it didn't have like that super bitterness at the end, but it wasn't as smooth as some of the ones that we had, honestly. Um, maybe I'm a cold brew snob now. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I am, you know, we've had some good, good shit. Uh, but that being said, you know, I know this is an eight ounce, super concentrate so i don't think really that's their goal is to be as smooth as possible i don't know uh i'm gonna go with a 6.7 i'm going a little differently man because like this is the kind of one that grows on you i think a lot in that um i like the fact that it i think it is smooth i don't think it has the bitterness it just tastes like a cold brew to me which is like a lot of other cold brews go away from that like traditional cold brew flavor by adding like a bunch of coconut milk or like some sugar, like, you know, stuff like that. And I think this is, this is one I would definitely like to drink often. It's packs a punch. It's something I would probably drink in the morning. It's not, it's not like a, the most enjoyable flavor of one, but I think it gets the job done for low calories, but I think it, I think it tastes pretty smooth. Um, it tastes more like an espresso one, but like we talked about last time, I actually like the espresso flavor right. of these. And I think, like you said, it's the concentrate version, which is kind of like the espresso version of a cold brew. Yeah. So I'm going to give this a 7.4 um, because it's drinkable and uh, I think it's smooth. So thanks again, Thunder Kings, for sending us out these um these trials, they've got a few different flavors too that we should probably buy and try. They've got like a regular one that's in a like a twelve ounce or a sixteen ounce bottle. That's uh that's less concentrated. This yeah. one, I think, the way I I feel a lot better than I did when I started this podcast. So yeah. that's how I'm judging it. Is like, I feel good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Hot takes, cold brews. Over and out. Later. What's up, guys? Hope you enjoyed the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, rate, and review the podcast. And if you really liked it, go ahead and share it with a friend. We would really appreciate it. And if you have any topics you want us to talk about, feel free to reach out. Let us know. We're always open.